This is the Bad Batch podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're back for season three of the Bad Batch, episodes one, two, and three. There is no we, and there is no escape. I've already tried. Every stronghold has a weak point. Maybe I can convince Emery to help. She's one of us. Not every clone is your ally. You trust too easily. Maybe you don't trust enough. Welcome back, fellow Batchers, to TV Podcast Industries. We're back with The Bad Batch for the third season. And this time, we're going to talk about the first three episodes of season three. First up, episode one, Confined. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Batchers. Yes, I'm one of your other hosts, John. Bleep, bleep, blop, blop, bleep, bleep. I am Chopper. <laughs> no, I'm Chris. But the last time we spoke Star Wars was for Ahsoka. It was. It was. Yeah. It was. I'm just now laughing my head off because Chopper went plop, plop. Because <laughs> yeah. you know he was going to say something worse. He was. Okay. He was. That just well, co- covers up what he really said. Yeah, yeah, well, that's exactly. true. <laughs> Good stuff. But yes, we're back with the Bad Batch for the final season of... Uh, this animated show from Star Wars. Uh, nice to be back in the uh, galaxy far, far away once again. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and back in the world of, you know, uh, this this animation. Mm-hmm. I really kind of, there was a warming feel watching through these first three episodes yeah. for me. Not so much in the first one, but we'll, well talk no. about it. Okay. Yeah. No. That <laughs> I was like, wait, what one were you watching? <laughs> because that we we have gotten into the dark end of the Star Wars. You straight in, it's just like, mm-hmm. do you know what? We're we're gonna make you cry. We're gonna make you weep, and then we'll bring up your emotions. Maybe if you're lucky. Well, as we I think as we were saying, this is Andor for kids. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Uh so yeah, no, I, okay, I just meant in general. Rather than mm-hmm. the tone of this specific episode, because <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, episode one confined is certainly bleak. And yes, it is. It does hark back to those war movies of you know utter desperation in the Nazi mm-hmm. prisoner of war camps. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But we are, of course, going to talk about that in our spoiler-filled discussion on episode one. We will be talking about episode two and episode three later on in the podcast, but we're going to try not to spoil them, so you can just listen to them as you watch the episodes, whatever way you want to watch the episodes. Uh, you might want to skip episode one if it's uh, finding it too depressing and move on to episode two, maybe. <laughs> so yeah. uh, no, no, you got to watch it. It's only 25 minutes. Uh, But if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, we have been podcasting for over 10 years. So we have tons and tons of content. Like Chris mentioned, we talked about Star Wars Ahsoka last year. And we, of course, talked about the first two seasons of The Bad Batch as well. So lots of Star Wars content and lots of other shows uh, available for you to listen to over on any Rebel supporting or imperial supporting podcast player of your choice and we also want to hear your thoughts about the bad batch for this season you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop it over to our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tv podcast industries where there's a spoiler post up for each and every episode of the bad batch season three well there will be as each episode comes out of course we're not gonna put up a spoiler post before the episodes come out right yes absolutely (laughs) 
Who knows what they are? And that's where in the future. Exactly. But we haven't got time travel just yet. Well, we, I was just saying we haven't got time travel in the Star Wars universe, but that's a lie. Well, we can travel to the future by just waiting around, Chris. So we do have True. future time travel. <laughs> One final thing before we go into this. We are doing a cantina quiz for The Bad Batch for this season. So we will be giving out a question for each episode of The Bad Batch for season three. At the end of the 15 episodes for the season, put together all of the answers. And you could be in with the chance of getting your hands on some Bad Batch goodies for the final season yes exactly like a, a mount tantis cookie jar mm, i don't think or a exist. bad batch of john's cookies absolutely that'll work that'd be great though if they had a mount tantis cookie jar we do have a death star cookie jar we do we do Can't and get the it's massive it's, it's like that's no moon yeah absolutely. <laughs> absolutely but let's get into our discussion about the bad batch 301 confined the executive producers of this show are dave filoni and jennifer corbett this episode was written by jennifer corbett and directed by saul ruiz and the story editor on the series is matt mcnavetz uh, all people who are involved in all three seasons of the bad batch so far um very heavily involved so good to have the team back together for this final season yes the the bad batch are back together exactly in the writer's camera. room. Um, exactly, exactly. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with their synopsis for The Bad Batch, Season 3, Episode 1, Confined? Sure. Above the planet of Wayland, an Imperial shuttle gets into trouble on its return to Mount Tantis. The shuttle crashes, but as it's outside the secure boundary of the Imperial facility and the troopers aboard are left to the planet's wild and dangerous creatures. Separated from the rest of the Bad Batch, Amiga is being held at Dr. Hemlock's lab on Mount Tantis. Every day she works with Dr. Emery Carr to take blood from the clones and herself for analysis by the Kaminoan cloner Nala Say, who is working on a mysterious project. She soon finds that Crosshair is also held at the same facility and hopes to get him and the rest of the clones free. Amiga's other tasks include feeding the captured native lurker hounds, particularly the one called Batcher, which she nurses back to health and allows to escape before the Empire droid terminates it. But as the days go by without any contact with her brothers and the incessant routine of her life at an Imperial facility drags on, Amiga loses hope of any possibility of getting out. It's <laughs> so depressing. It does feel kind of like she's Steve uh, McQueen just throwing the ball in the cell a bit. Yeah. You know, it's rinse, rinse, take blood samples, repeat uh-huh. kind of, you know? Yeah, it's a really, really dour episode this time. It is, but yeah. it, I think it captures nicely the, I guess, the awfulness of being in an Imperial facility because it's kind of like, you know, is she a prisoner? Isn't she? Is she a hostage? Mm-hmm. Isn't she? They think she's not. She certainly thinks that she is Absolutely. and she is. She's locked in her cell overnight. But, it, but so, yeah. it's just like, <laughs> yet she's given freedom to go around yeah. the base. So it's kind of like, um, it's like she's got special privileges, but yeah. is still ultimately in prison. I feel like the yeah. way they're saying it is she's not being experimented on, therefore she's not a prisoner. That's kind of the only distinction between yeah, the exactly. rest of them and her, isn't it? And slightly yeah. better quarters than yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at least cross her. Mm-hmm. And, and dare I say it, we say it's a prison, but I can imagine all the Stormtrooper sort of bunks being rooms like that. Probably. Um, yeah. You know, it's even the fact that they come in and it's like, you know, no personal items. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's really pretty grim. It is. It is. I'll, I'll quickly just 
catch you and you said there's no, not doing tests, they are still taking her blood, which yes, every day, which is it's an interesting one. We'll probably it's definitely something we're going to want to talk about as we get into our blast points. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of which, let's get into our top blaster points for this episode. Did you miss that sound? Yeah. I did, actually, yeah. It's always the final pew. It is. Yeah, it's it's almost like it's one too many. It's just to keep everyone off guard. <laughs> exactly. It's just the one that it's the one shot by the stormtrooper that just goes wildly to the left. Mm. Yeah. It's Crosser's shaky hand just getting an extra one off, I guess. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But our blaster point number one is the crash on the planet, the opening scene of the episode. I think just because it sets up um what the planet is like that they're on. Wayland is the name of the planet where uh, Mount Tantus sits, which we've seen before. We've seen um, Mount Tantus for, for many, many uh, episodes of, of the show. It's kind of the, the central place where our bad guy, Dr. Hemlock, lives. But um, but interestingly, I suppose we get a little bit of, uh, of what happens and how difficult it is to get here um, and how people who don't cross the boundary are treated by Dr. Hemlock uh, because we have these uh, these troopers who arrive, these stormtroopers who arrive returning uh, to the planet, uh, get into a bit of trouble as they're coming in uh, to land and crash outside the boundary. And pretty much Hemlock is going, well, if they didn't cross the boundary, they're dead anyway, just leave them there. And then turns off uh, the signal from their ship. Yeah, it's like kind of, it's like almost rubbing his hands. You'd expect him, kind you of, know, yeah. no recovery team for you guys, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, um, it's interesting. The fact that I realized that this planet was called Wayland, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like Wayland Utani, like from Alien. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I'm like, yeah. okay, and then there's all these monsters out there, and there is actually another. The, the next episode, there's elements of alien within mm-hmm. that that I, I kind of really get a number of different elements. So it's yeah. kind of like, are they, are they kind of doing an homage to like alien aliens at the moment? Because, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it was actually planet Wayland uh, Utani. Um, yeah, I would say it's definitely a reference. Uh, to be honest, I don't think the actual show has ever said that the planet's called Wayland. I'm taking that from the Star Wars databank where I get loads of those little uh, little <laughs> nods uh, from. But yeah, the planet planet being called Wayland, I think in the past we thought it was Tantus. I think we yeah, might have even said definitely. that in the podcast. Um, but it's meant Tantus on the planet Wayland, which, yeah, I'm sure is an odd to, uh, to Wayland Yutani uh, from the, uh, the Aliens franchise. Yeah, oh, definitely. Mm. Um, so yeah, we have this crash uh, and we basically, whilst we don't see anything, we hear mm-hmm. a lot of stormtroopers screaming yeah. uh, uh, as they're attacked by some kind of unknown creature. So, mm-hmm. like, ultimately, um, yes, it's a fairly inhospitable world, it exactly. seems, out of this kind of secure uh, boundary uh, that they have uh, the facility in. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of we kind of see the native uh, creatures later on in the episode as well. So uh, they aren't very friendly unless treated really, really well. The lurker hounds. Yeah, I guess you probably don't have the opportunity to treat them uh, that well if you're if you just land in their ter- in the middle of their territory, I suppose. So, um, so I guess all those stormtroopers are gone. What are you doing, Bang. boy? I'm lurking. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I did. So for me, when this open this opening, it felt like a cold open mm-hmm. to the series. Yeah. Um. Strangely, I it also felt. I I, I thought I'd skipped a part. Really. It really yeah. it just jumps straight in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, you you have the, the, the shuttle kind of 
entering the atmosphere above Wayland. But for me, it was just like, wait, hold on, wait. Am I supposed to remember, like, who these people are? Wait, hold what's going on? And then you see what happens. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, fine, cool. And then, oh, okay, this is going to get interesting because everything around this facility is a death trap. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see where this goes. And then it just cuts straight back into the, 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 the main story. And mm-hmm. I'm like, interesting. Yeah. So, well, absolutely. And it's really straight in. And I have to say, really great animation and scene just to remind you of how good the animation is. The, this yes. moment where that Imperial shuttle. I mean, first of all, you see it sort of entering into the atmosphere, which is really good, that kind of wide shot. Yeah. But as it's been hit by the lightning and they've got, you know, the distress call and it's going down, there's just this great shot and from the wing of mm-hmm. the shuttle as it's going through the clouds. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. a really fantastic like shot of this shuttle and yeah. um, crashing through the atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. It was so good. And I was just like, I just was not expecting that. You know, straight off the bat, really sort of interesting framing mm-hmm. of the scenes that you would you would do straight from a, a live action. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The the yeah. show really does pride itself on some great animation uh, throughout the three seasons. It's been really, really good. But I do think what they were attempting to do with this was make us think that this is the Bad Batch coming to rescue Omega. Um, yes. That's how the yeah. last season ended. They were going to go out on their mission to do them. There's four people on the ship, which you would suspect is Wrecker, Hunter, Rex, maybe, and uh, and Echo. Yeah. Uh, it would be the four that you'd suspect that are, com- yeah. that are coming here. So the fact that you have them... Um, the, with voices that would sound very similar, of course, to the batch, because they all have the same, have similar voices, right? So uh, the fact that you would have that, you'd have them being, uh, thinking that they're going to get past the, um, the security to get, to get onto Tantus and save Amiga as your opening episode is going to be a really upbeat episode. And then no, it turns out pretty quickly, these, these are stormtroopers who are allowed to die, uh, by their boss, basically by Hemlock, you know? So, um, I think that's what we're supposed to suspect. This is the first mission of the batch uh, going to save Amiga, and it's not going to be a really dour, depressing episode where she stays in the one location without any contact with the Bat Batch or any visibility of the rest of the characters uh, in the episode. Yeah, no, I agree. I, th- I think overall, it's just it was a fun open. Like that's, I, th- I think they 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 misdirected you. Mm-hmm. It looked fantastic, but it did. It was what I would classify as a cold open. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Kind of that style. But speaking of Amiga, let's go on to our blaster point number two and find out what's going on with her. Yeah, absolutely. So every day is exactly the same for Amiga. Yeah. Eat, yeah. sleep, rave, repeat. Well. But less raving, I guess. Eat, sleep, take blood sample, Samples, deliver blood sample, have blood sample <laughs> destroyed. <laughs> repeat <laughs> yeah it's not as great a fat boy slim kind of track really. it's not it's not I, I had every day is exactly the same the nine inch nails track in my head the whole <laughs> well, time yeah, yeah exactly it's, it's more more that style um but yes we have uh every day she's marking off on on her wall how long it's been since uh since she was taken into uh into tantus um and we see multiple versions of this day throughout the episode she is very resistant to uh, to being involved in the experimentation that's going on. She doesn't want to be uh, working with the Empire. Um, she doesn't want to be working with uh, Nalase at all, but that's what she's here for. And she has to do it. She's reminded that she's not a prisoner, as we talked about earlier on. She's reminded that she, it would be a lot worse for her if she was in the cells with the other clones. So, um, But you see 
she still has a bit of hope at the beginning of the episode that very soon her brothers are going to come and rescue her. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's the great thing about how they did this. It just, you know, it shows the degradation of her spirit in a sense. You know, like you say, mm-hmm. you see her kind of almost being quite inquisitive about what is going on when she's in the presence of Nala, Nala Say. You know, she's um, upbeat uh, about, um, you know, the plan that she's explaining to cross her or, or you know, she wants to plan uh, an escape. As I say, she's got that freedom despite being a hostage because of the association with Nala Say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you see all that, but then it just slowly begins to fade. Um, there's that great bit of repetition where she's passing across her in mm-hmm. the corridor and the first time she's kind of expectantly looking at him and so on. And then it's just eyes front, yeah. um, not even acknowledging him. So it's just that that kind of great touch to show the effect on the spirit, I guess, of, of this, uh, of these living conditions yeah. and this situation that she finds herself in. I yeah, think, um, absolutely. And we're, you know, we're not joking. This does really remind us of, uh, of Andor. This is exactly it is the, Andor those for moments kids. when Andor is walking through the corridors of the yeah. uh, of the manufacturing fa- factory when he's a prisoner is exactly what it yeah. feels like when they're all unable to look at each other, communicate with each other. They just have to stand on their spot until they're allowed to go to bed, and that's it. You know, this is where Lego does a set of uh, Omega's cell uh-huh. with you know with Stormtrooper stamping on her doll um that's it's lego for kids you know (laughs) from 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 this episode it is really dark Mm -hmm. i'd agree with you guys i'm like the overall tone like it's like 30 percent darker than Mm -hmm. like the previous season it just seems that they have kind of decided well do you know what even after our viewers are another year older yeah so even the majority of our potential younger viewers are coming in on season three, they're going to be older. Mm-hmm. So maybe they can take this slightly darker tone. Well, yeah. As an adult, then, you are, guys, correct. This is, it smacks of Andor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It smacks of The Great Escape. It smacks of those POW kind of World War Two films. Yeah. Hell, even Chicken Run. Exactly. Like, uh, exactly. It, is that, it is that kind of... As an adult, we'll take way more from this, which has been historically how the Bad Batch have done those episodes for us. Which yeah, is, absolutely. You I- can do, the, they do the creature of the week, but when we kind of sit down and we dissect and discuss it, like we're like, oh, okay, I think this this is potentially what they're doing. They're not just scooby doing icing it. It's just like, oh, it was the guy down the road. <laughs> there is a lot more there that we can take from it. Mm-hmm. And when... For me, this was this was harsh. You expected because I expected. I said you, but I expected on an ending like season two, mm-hmm. the opening would be a more jovial, not jovial, but like like you said, you expected that that craft coming in was the bad batch. They they would save the day. And it would move things forward. That's not the case. Yeah. Like, it is just a very sad breaking of someone's spirit to a degree. Until 
that spirit is said, kind of like, forget this, I'm going to escape, and I'm going to do this. I just need to figure out how. Yeah, and it makes perfect sense, because, you know, we're not in that era of A New Hope, like Mm -hmm. in episode four of the movies. This is, like, really little hope for... Exactly. uh, And, like, it's, you know, it was really sort of low at the end of season uh, two, though, certainly mm-hmm. with tech uh, being lost. But exactly. do you know, as well, it it does remind me, I think, all of... I know this isn't Dave Filoni as direct mm-hmm. as, say, um, Rebels or um, Clone Wars, but they've always drifted into the darkest mm-hmm. spaces for, uh, of, of this world. Uh, galaxy as they've moved towards the end of uh you know the the seasons of, yeah. of the show and so it's not surprising actually to me that it has a so, sort of darker tone to it Without um, yeah. and it'll be interesting to see you know where it ultimately goes in the end mm. i mean even just the fact that you know during these repeated days of the same routine sort of uh, bearing down on Amiga. You know, we do learn, and of course, you know, to the darker elements, you know, all these blood samples being collected from the clones and Emery Carr taking one from Amiga as well. We learn here that, you know, Nala Say is discarding her blood samples mm-hmm. here because you know they're looking for what what they're describing as a genetic m count um and i kind of like amiga asks nala say you know is this the kind of research that you did on camino and she's like you know it's not like that 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 we did on camino and she goes uh the specimens aren't clones yes which is kind of interesting as well. So, you know, this this really adds a, a sort of a layer of mystery to to this work uh, mm-hmm. around the cloning technology and the cloning expertise that Nala say is is, um, is bringing to whatever this project is. Uh huh. Yeah, the specimens that she's working with aren't clones. Just just the blood being taken yeah, from the, the clones blood for samples testing. Yeah. are coming from clones, yeah. the prisoners, but. The specimens, uh, the work, the cloning work that's using her mm. expertise, uh, the specimens aren't clones. Mm, yeah. You know, now we've seen a lot of stuff done with different monsters as well. So, yes. like, you know, who knows what's down there Absolutely. in the vaults of uh, Mount Tantis? I but guess. I, I do also like the real good cover up here from uh, Metaclorians because we now call it M count, right? Yeah, no, don't have exactly. to mention the full word anymore. Just call it M count. It's fine. It's grand. Yeah. Move along. Move along. Nothing to see here. They've effectively <laughs> made it like cholesterol. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like what what's your cholesterol levels? Yes, exactly. you know? exactly. what's your C levels in your blood? Yeah. Um, what's your M count in the blood? <laughs> yeah. Excellent, perfect. Yeah, I know. Yeah, great little way of getting rid of metachlorians. Exactly, but keeping the idea that a scientist could use them. Yeah, right? yeah, good stuff. Uh, like the other thing that we have here is maybe a little bit of hope in that Amiga has become fond of one of the lurker hounds that the Empire are brutalizing, so that they become. Mm. Um, their sort of chase hounds and guard dogs. Yeah, exactly. Or I guess they may keep the boundary safe, uh, you know. Mm -hmm, Maybe. Sort of 
close to uh, Tantis. So, yeah, I kind of like the fact that she's befriended um, uh, this beast and called it a Batcher. So mm-hmm. just like our fellow Batchers, um, she has... They've obviously been listening they've to the podcast. They've obviously been listening yeah. to the podcast, without a doubt. Yeah, Name, so, named it after our fellow Batchers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do like this. It does give her a little bit of hope. But again, the way this episode is written, written it's pulled away pretty quickly yeah. uh, because effectively the guy who's supposed to be minding her, the droid that's supposed to be minding the uh, the um, creatures while she's away, uh, has decided that he's going to kill it because uh, because he feels that it's developing an emotional attachment uh, which won't be useful to the Empire. So he's going to kill it. You know, yeah. again, it's another one of those things about this episode which is increasing the depression that Amiga's going through everything is getting on top of her and the one bit of hope that she has first it was well at least crosshair is here so i can go and talk to him and he's going there's no point give up (laughs) you know and then she makes a friend in in one of the creatures and the creatures effectively scheduled for death because she's become friendly with it so um, you know at least at least we do have the fact that she frees uh, Batcher uh, out into the wild. So that's a that's a little bit of a reward for Amiga, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I look, I think I think they're in the return of the Jedi era. That's what they're going for. Like at the end of Empire, we all always talk about the end of Empire mm-hmm. um where it it ends on a downer and return of the Jedi then starts somewhat somber and then kind of works its way to the the celebratory ending mm-hmm. with, on a planet of Ewoks. Um, yeah, I get the feeling that's what they're doing. They're, they're the the first three episodes are going to be that very somber, very depressing <laughs> kind of yeah. style to basically go. You are about to hit the lowest of the low, so we can bring you to the highest of the highs mm-hmm. at the end of this season. Let's hope so, eh? because as John said, we're barreling towards a new hope um, and Rogue One territory, which are the darkest, most depressing times of the Empire before a new hope is born. So uh, maybe they'll do a little time jump over uh, over the, uh, the the movies and give us a big happy ending for them all at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I guess maybe so. Maybe that's the way they do it. Uh, I think that's it for for Omega's uh, day, but let's just close it out with the somber end, I suppose, for our blaster point number three. Ultimate resolution in the episode almost is is the depressing realisation that it started out with young Omega in here counting the days on the wall. By the end of the episode, she's been there so long that she has her hair's grown out. She's been able to build herself her own teddy bear out of the hay that she's been stealing from minding, uh, minding uh, Batcher. Um, and she's being told that she can't have any other attachments. She can't have an attachment to any personal items. This has to be taken away from her. So she's being left on her own, potentially here, months, and has not had any contact with any member of the batch other than Crosshair, who's been telling her, give up hope, it's all lost, there's no way out of here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the continuing sort of reminder that Dr. Hemlock is a complete nightmare, mm-hmm. you know, that because she's, well, and, and is kind of a psychopath ultimately because, yeah. you know, he's threatening to punish Crosshair you know, because she releases Batcher mm-hmm. uh, from her cell. So he'll 
revoke her freedoms, all this kind yep. of stuff, uh, inspections of the cell. So, yeah, it's pretty grim yeah. uh, at, in Mount Tantus. Absolutely. But she does get a doll back by the end. <laughs> but we do have Emery Carr yes. being a nice evil person. Yes, yes. I guess. She's just following <laughs> orders for the most part, but at least she does something kind by bringing back uh, the the doll that Amiga's made. Uh, at least she brings that back to her. Yes. So she is allowed to have something in there. Exactly. Yeah. Something small. Yeah. And hey. And, and hey, like, yes. <laughs> but it is a re- replica of her teddy bear that she has aboard uh, the Marauder with the rest of the bad bats. Yes. So it's a nice little touch that it looks very like the one that she had on board uh, the ship with with the Marauder. I think that's the one that um, that uh, Wrecker gave her uh, when they first met Amiga. Yeah, and it's that's a, it's a Lothcat. It's a Lothcat, it? yes, yeah. it is, it is. Mm. Anything else about the end of the episode and how it closes out? Before we close out our discussion about episode one. Yeah, I've got a, a, a note because we do have Hemlock and Nala say sort of going to the vault facility mm-hmm. there in Tantis. And it's pretty, pretty secure. Yes, it is. Um, you know, talk from Hemlock that the Emperor will be pleased with mm-hmm. the progress that's been made so far. It's good. But they do say that the M count transfer uh, is not large enough. Mm. So whatever it is, it's something to do, I guess, with force sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So um, interesting stuff, I think. Yeah. Ultimately. Can it, just a very quick one on this. Very, very quick one. For the last two seasons, mm-hmm. we have said yeah. there is something force sensitive about Omega. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now her blood is being used and being told, oh, no, no, get rid of that because we don't. And then we find out they're looking or attempting to do something with midichlorians. I'm going with she has the ability, force touch ability stuff. They're like heavily applying it now. And we have said, I know, Derek, you are, you were adamantly against it. Always seems to her becoming like she's just, she's a batcher. She's just got that ability. She's got the goods of Hunter and Wrecker, and she's got everything that they've got. Mm-hmm. I think they are now strongly hinting with like a fish slapped in the face yeah. in Monty Python that she is force sensitive. Well, that was me talking about it when we were talking about season two of The Bad Batch, Chris. We've yes. had Ahsoka since then, and in Ahsoka, no matter who you are, you can have force sensitive <laughs> powers. Anybody Fair. can be force sensitive. So. Uh, even sure. a clone who's made, um, <laughs> who's been, been created, can be force sensitive, apparently. So that's new to the universe. So I will agree with you that they're heavily implying that uh, a midichlorian count or something uh, that's within Omega uh, will play into the Emperor's plan. Exactly. And we will talk about this much more because we obviously have seen the other two episodes I don't want to spoil the other two if you haven't seen those episodes yet uh, fellow batchers so let's hold off on the M count discussion until we get into uh, one of the two other episodes we're going to talk about Absolutely. Yeah. any final points on this episode or overall what did you think of it overall I really enjoyed this like for me this was like I said I talked about joked about how dark of an opening this was that's a good thing like they continued the theme at the ending of season 2 and again I'm interested to see how dark they'll take it, being that this still is a, a somewhat all-ages show, um, but at least bring the themes as dark, because again, if you bring us to the lows of the low, 
the highest of the highs will be the even more of a, a fantastic uh, ending to this se- final season that we know what this is. So, great opening for me. Uh, really depressing, but in a good way. And I'm interested to see where they go with the remaining of the season. Excellent. John, how about yourself? Yeah, I thought this was really good as well. I mean, mm. yeah, darker tone and um, nothing... Uh, you know to ultimately cheer and whoop about but mm. i thought it was really really good from the outset with the crashed um shuttle uh through to yeah the the rinse repeat of drudgery yeah. in an imperial facility that is just locked down beyond belief mm-hmm. um and the little things that amiga ch- is trying to do to stay positive whether it's the doll making the thoughts of escape and um, seeing Crosser and that just being gradually sort of wrung out of it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd give this uh, four and a half blood samples out of five, um, maybe with a, a half a pound of flesh added mm-hmm. in, because, yeah, it was. It was a somber episode in many respects, but it, you know, I think the title, Confined, it was to provide that sense of confinement sobriety uh, and ye of little hope uh, yeah. from just the the as i say that's just that incessant word down from mm-hmm. this schedule this routine uh all this kind of stuff yeah. so um yeah the, it's the lockdown of it all really well, absolutely. so uh, yep four yeah. and a half uh blood samples out of five for me yeah, and, and if you've rolled straight in from the last episode of season three where we lost one of the main members of the Bad Batch and going straight <laughs> into this, you know, it, it is pulling no punches here. It is, as you say, Chris, it's setting it up. If you watch this episode and you're, you know, maybe six or seven years old and you've been watching the, the colorful, shiny show about uh, about um, the Bad Batch, you might want to turn it off uh, right here and... um not watch the rest of the season because it might be a bit too depressing for you. So they're setting out their stall right here because they resisted the urge to do anything that they've done in previous episodes that have been dark. You don't have any moment here with Wrecker who's lightening the mood, um, having a bit of fun with with Echo. You don't even cut away to them at all. This is all about Echo and what she's going through. Absolutely. Everything that's going on there. They didn't even have uh, the creature Batcher being a very cute creature who's playful all the time. Um, he's a very violent and angry animal and gets tamed, but that's about it. Uh, you still see all the rest of the lurkers around uh, all being very, very violent and angry and aggressive. So um, this isn't a, a happy episode. It's a, an interesting choice to start off the season, and I think it's a, a good way to do it. I'm normally not a big fan of three episodes being released on the same day, but I'm glad this is not the only episode we got to see and had to wait till next week for the next one. I'm glad there are more episodes uh, able to watch straight away after this one. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, even just some of the, like, hints, you know, from this, just like even, you know, that you have Amiga talking about Crosser's hand is shaking. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what is that about? That doesn't sound great, given he's no. having blood taken on a, like, you know, a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just this, this notion of, you know, what's down in the vaults. Mm-hmm. It does feel kind of like Hammer Horror-esque in that sense. Well, yeah. What is going on down there? What are the experiments that uh, Dr. Hemlock's doing? Absolutely. Uh, well, let's get a drink after that somber episode. Absolutely. Uh, maybe a bit of blue milk to cheer ourselves up. Uh, let's go off to the cantina for the cantina yeah. quiz question. 
Blue milk, uh, uh, a Russian blue milk, indeed. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure uh, somebody's made a whole cocktail out of it. Sure, they have. Yeah. Uh, but fellow batches and fellow quizzes, welcome to the Bad Batch Cantina Quiz. We are starting off the season's uh, Cantina Quiz with question one from this episode. What is the designation given to the lurker hound called Batcher? Ooh, interesting. What's his name before Amiga calls him Batcher? Yes. I guess. It's the Imperial designation. Right. Got Let's it. Give, say that. Do you want to give the question one more time, John? Yes. What is the designation given to the lurker hound called Batcher? Excellent. That's the first question of our Cantina quiz questions. Two more to come in this podcast and one every week for the 15 episodes of The Bad Batch. Gather all the answers together and email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with all the correct answers and you could be in with the chance of getting your hands on some Bad Batch goodies. That is also the place you can email us with your thoughts about any of the episodes of The Bad Batch or you can join us over in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. We are going to take a break and we'll be back in a moment with our chat about The Bad Batch 302 Paths Unknown. Catch you in a minute. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Blaster beast stick, kid. Wrecker. They're regs. And who are you? We're clones. Same as you. You don't look like clones. They must be 99s. Defectives. Defective and effective. Welcome back, fellow Batches, to the Star Wars podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We are talking about The Bad Batch, Season 3, Episode 2, Paths Unknown. I am one of your Bad Batching hosts, John. I'm still one of your hosts, Derek. And rounding out the group, I am the epitome of what Wrecker talked about. Defective, but effective. I am Chris. Yeah, I was thinking that would be the sort of the tagline for Wallace from Wallace and Gromis. I, I, <laughs> I, I produce, uh, you know, <laughs> inventions that are kind of defective but mm-hmm. end off working. Yeah, yeah, but only yeah. with the help of Gromis, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm a fan of cheese. Mm, yes. yes. Mm, Wednesday Dale. Effective and gorgeously tasty yum and um, we're not here to talk about claymation <laughs> no or cheese uh, we are here to talk about the bad batch so let's kick off derek what are some of the episode details for episode two yes this episode was written by matt miktovitz who's also of course the story editor of the show and the episode was directed this time by nate villanueva uh, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Season 3, Episode 2, Paths Unknown? Sure. Using every tool they have available, Hunter and Wrecker trade a member of the Pike Clan to the Durand Syndicate in exchange for information that will lead them to the missing Omega. But when they follow the provided coordinates, they find an abandoned laboratory and fear the worst for Omega. They also encounter three young regular clones, Mox, Deke and Stack, who have been left to survive on their own after the Empire abandoned and destroyed the facility. Hunter and Wrecker work together with the young clone Deke to try and find information on Omega and where the new laboratory is located. 
Meanwhile, Mox and Stack try to decide on what course of action they should take, support their friend Deke, or steal the Marauder to get off the inhospitable planet. In the wreckage of the facility, the clones try to find an old data console, but have to fight off Slithervines, a genetically modified weapon created by the Empire, which had infested the planet. As Hunter and Wrecker uncover a lead on where Amiga might be, a huge Slithervine attacks them. Fighting to survive, they are eventually lifted to safety by the two other younger clones in the Marauder, and escape the planet. They bring the young clones to freedom and give them a new start on the hideaway planet Pabu. Well, I assume they're off to Pabu. Yeah, I think so. Right. I, I think it's. Yeah. I think we can safely say they're gonna go to uh, Pabu here, mm-hmm. and rightly so. Absolutely, I think. a sort of gorgeous island retreat for them to sort of recover from. <laughs> I guess being prisoners for like however long yeah, plus trying to survive on the planet uh, on their own yeah and also some nice touchbacks as well to uh season one mm-hmm. of the bad batch uh, in this uh, episode as well which yes, i think right. uh, we'll get to and continuing uh the sort of homage to all things alien as well mm-hmm. um i think very much so. Yeah, not only with the slither vines and whatever creatures seemingly sort of evolved quite quickly from them. You mean like when they cut off one of the vines <laughs> yeah, and suddenly exactly. grew legs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's like, ah, oh, it's a quadruped now. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> but the, the other side of it, I, there was some real elements of Prometheus as well when yes. they're walking through the forest and there's all these kind of like little balls with a little spike sticking up. And it was like the sort of thing that releases the black dust into the spores yeah Yeah, and the spores Mm -hmm. that ultimately started off the alien nightmare yes yeah yeah absolutely Um, so i thought that was like wow that's pretty cool yeah yeah should we jump into our blaster points chance because there are some definitely a few things around the slither vines that have been slithering around my mind since watching this yes let us get into blaster point number one Yes, it is the Durant Syndicate. Um, and Issa Durant is actually played by Angelica Houston, which is really cool. That's quite a big name. It is, isn't yeah, it? Isn't, For the show. isn't, isn't that grandkids going, can you do Star Wars? And her going, I don't know. Sure, I'll give someone a call. And they <laughs> went, we have this thing called Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Do you want to just be a... And they're, she's like, sure. And now she can turn to the grandkids and go... I'm in Star Wars. Am I a Star Warser now? I'm a Star Wars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. and dare I say it, you know, as the leader of the Duran Syndicate, she was a bad bit, um, mm-hmm. you know? Yes, she was. Batch. She was, she a, was bad a bad batch, batch indeed. Yeah. A very bad batch. Um, so, but I, this was really cool, actually. I love this opening. Again, yeah, almost a bit like another cold opening just it's thrown 100%, in there. It's 100%. It really was. Again, like, okay, this one has a bit more connection to our Batchers, but like... This was one where I was like, am I on the same, right? Like, what are they doing? Is, is, <laughs> yeah. this, is this the thread that is going to be on? Now, Derek, your memory is highly more finely tuned uh-huh. than the rest <laughs> of okay. us. I did not remember the connection back from the Durants oh, right, all the okay. way to season one. <laughs> I was like, wait, what's going on now? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. 
Okay. Hmm. Is this like an infiltrate? No. Okay. Hmm. What's up? Okay. Now I get. It. I'm kind of going. Is this the SNL season? Of <laughs> it's like live from a galaxy far, far away. This is the bad batch. Yay! <laughs> kind of every episode's going to get like a cold open. Well, I think no. so, and I, I think they have done that for the most part for most of the last two seasons as well. They always have the opening, then they announce the title of the episode, and then it goes into the regular episode, I, right? Yeah. Isn't that kind of I the think, way? They, I think they, these are just the, these first two episodes have been less. For the first, well, the first episode, nothing had the that opening had nothing to do with the batch. This one uh-huh. had something, but opened with characters who weren't the batch first. It was mm-hmm. more kind of it yeah. just it seems less connected initially, right? I, I, that was where more I had the cold open. I think it's also just the connections. I mean, I think the connections really cool and cool that they would do that and just bring that in. So I think that's really cool. But it's just like kind of like an okay. This is really like, it's just unexpected, I think. And so you kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And then, yeah, you remember, you know, season one. Um, and I mean, equally, what we will find is, you know, the opening of the first episode has a, a reason for it being there. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. but it, it's just like, it, it, it's very cool. And um, I, I really, really enjoyed this. I absolutely mm-hmm. love the idea of them, uh, you know, Wrecker and Hunter being there as um, effectively bounty hunters, really. Um, yeah, kind of, kind of. I suppose the whole point of this of the scene is really about how desperate the two of them are getting. Um, there is really only the two of them left of the batch because we've lost uh, Tech. Echo's yeah. off working with Rex now, so the two of them are on their own trying to search the entire galaxy for this hidden, uh, this hidden facility where Echo's been taken to. Um, so they're calling in favors from people that they can't really get favors from. Um, so what Chris was mentioning is, in case you don't remember, uh, Roland Durant was a character that we met back in season one of The Bad Batch in episode 13 of season one. He came in and took over Sid's operation on Ord Mantell and worked kind of with The Bad Batch uh, until they went up against the Pike uh, Syndicate. And the member of the Pike Syndicate that took his horn was actually the leader of the Pike Syndicate on that planet back in in that episode. The episode ended with him effectively being disgraced, but being given Omega's kind of pet lizard, uh, Ruby, as a yeah. as something to say that she believes he's an okay person, even though he's on the criminal side. He talked about his mother at the time by trying to um, impress her that she's involved in the world of, of criminality, but this is the first time we're seeing her in this episode. So pretty much this part of the episode that's coming into the Duran Syndicate and bringing them the Pike member who took the horn of uh, of Roland Durant, we saw that in episode 13 of the first season. So we saw that moment, we saw what happened and we know exactly who this is. This is the leader of uh, of the Pike Syndicate being dra- dragged before them in exchange for information. Yeah, uh, I mean for the drivers to get the intel mm-hmm. to find or get something about the location and, and whereabouts yeah. of uh, Amiga. But so- that's why Roland in the end goes over to them and says, I wish you luck, even though Issa's trying to get rid of them saying, you know, you might wear my patience and you'll be dropped to your death just like the other yeah, the, other, uh, the other member of the Durans that was killed just beforehand. Um even though she's saying that, Roland's saying to them, I hope you do achieve your goal. I hope you find Amiga because Amiga was good to him. Amiga was yeah, kind to him. Exactly. Yeah. Um and again, only because of that, watching through then into episode fourteen, there's another mm-hmm. little link as well, which I think 
we can bring into our blaster point number two. Mm-hmm. The abandoned clones and the abandoned uh, factory um, on this kind of vine forest planet. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other connection is because we watched that episode again just to get a sense of it yeah. and, and Roland Durand, you know, the next episode started up automatically and I was kind of watching that and it's as they're evacuating uh, the the facility on Camino mm-hmm. um, of all the clones. And it's just strangely, there is a scene of one of the Kaminoans bringing a group of six to eight young clones and taking them off planet and the 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 younger clones asking you know where are we going what are we going to do are we still going to be soldiers and Mm -hmm. Kamen Owen says of course you'll still be in the service of the empire Mm -hmm. and I'm like is like could one of them and it doesn't go into any of that but literally in relation to the blaster point are three of those mocks deke or stack and yeah. so it's like it's a real nice little touch even though it might not be specific to these three abandoned clones mm. that we uh, get to see on this planet i think it is i think it's basically all the clones that were taken from uh from camino are put into the facility any ones that were taken uh, away are likely being experimented on there um, because the clone army has fallen the, the clone wars is over remember yeah. so um so there there is no more clones being brought in to fill up the empire's uh forces now the stormtroopers are on their way yeah. so um so i i guess most of the ones that were left in camino are the ones that are being experimented on so uh, a really nice again a really nice callback to season one of the bat batch yeah but uh you know here we have these abandoned clones these three but also then this former abandoned laboratory of dr hemlock as well mm-hmm which I feel is going to be, there's going to be a load of them. I get the sense that this is a second laboratory that we've, that kind of being talked about, obviously outside of the one on Mount Tantus. Mm-hmm. I get the feeling that there's going to be a fair few and in def- different levels of disrepair, mm-hmm. different levels of yeah activity. And the batch are going to go through a few of them to, to get to Omega and or whatever the end goal of Hemlock is. They're going to find Cassian Andor on yeah. one of the facilities. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I like it. Um, Should be the Andor crossover. <laughs> yeah, or be at the beach laboratory. There you go. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Um, you're right. That's that. That's absolutely a possibility here. You kind of, you know, the vastness of the galaxy is something really important uh, to this show. We had them uh, effectively through the first two seasons doing missions all over the galaxy, being able to evade being captured by the Imperial Army, uh, who were looking for them at the time. They were able to avoid that um, throughout the first two seasons, and now they're trying to find the most top-secret facility of the Imperials, um, bound to be a lot of uh, a lot of possibilities, and this could go on for the entire season. We could have the Batch out looking for Omega, uh, getting little strands of details and trying to reach her throughout the season. Uh, and given episode one um that could be entirely likely that we will have a very somber season where they don't reunite uh throughout it well that's it i mean even this you know the clones these three young clones are alone they mm. have no trust either in the empire or 
other clones yeah. because they were left behind. They, you know, they say they were the only ones that um, managed to escape the facility before it, it had an orbital bombardment yeah, done on it. Exactly. Um, so, you know, really trying to destroy the evidence here. So these, these three kids should not be alive. They are a liability mm-hmm. for, uh, for the empire here. Um, yeah. Or they just don't care about them enough to even try. And rescue them. They, well, no. You know, the aerial bombardment is there because of the slither vines taking over this genetically modified uh, weapon that effectively has taken over the entire planet. So they get everybody <laughs> that they could have off the planet or anybody that they wanted to get off the planet and then dropped bombs on <laughs> I love the fact um, that Stack and Deke, first thing they say is, you know, don't touch the vines, and, mm-hmm. and of course, record it touches the vines. Um, oh my god, that was yeah. that was that's like literally telling a like telling a cat or a puppy, don't do that. Uh-huh. Yeah, what, exactly, what, the big red button. Don't press the big red button. You mean this big shiny red button yep. right here? Absolutely. I'm gonna press that button. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna do this. I mean, now that you've said it, it's going to happen. It is predestination. Absolutely. Yeah. Without a doubt, it wasn't gonna be Hunter, right? It has to be. No. Has to be a record doing it. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. No, I really like that. But I mean, even just seeing the these two on their own without mm. tech, without yeah. crosshair, without echo, mm-hmm. um, it feels really sad just seeing the yeah. two of them. And, and I mean, even you know, they try and heighten that. By seeing, you know, by the shots looking into Amiga's quarters with the doll of the mm. loaf cat as well. Yeah. It's like, oh my goodness, what this, it, it literally is trying to sort of get you to tears, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. You see the two of them just left all on their own. You know, they went off with their band of brothers and now it's down to two yeah. of them. Um, but we do see a bit more of Hunter's abilities uh, coming out in this episode. You know, it's very easy, as we said before, to show Wrecker's abilities on screen. He's really strong, really good with explosives. You can use that pretty much every episode when there's a fight. Uh, with Hunter's <laughs> ability to track and find and, and follow um, is what you're really seeing when they use him in these episodes where he's able to find where uh, what, which way to go, where to where to yeah. get to, to anywhere. So you see him here finding the clones, uh, knowing that they're that he's being watched at all times. It's this heightened sense that he has almost that, that comes out uh, before the clones engage or yeah. the red clones engage, let's say. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, Some other nice touches here, though, yeah. um, from uh, from the casting, which I really like. Uh, two of the clones, uh, Mox and Deke, are played by Daniel Logan, who played Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones. So have him back here playing young clones, right? Boba Fett is just a, is a, is a, a clone of Jango Fett, yeah. which all the other clones are, but a, a, a clean clone uh, who doesn't age quickly. But great to have um, Daniel Logan back. Playing the role of two of the uh, two of the young clones here. Yeah, that's a cool idea. Yeah, really good. Yeah, and we also then stacks we have being played by Julian Dennison, mm-hmm. uh, who you'd know from Deadpool Two uh, or Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah, yeah, he's really the, good. He becomes the big villain in Deadpool Two, doesn't he? Yeah, well, kind, kind of. of. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very short moment as potentially going evil. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's redeemed very quickly. Yeah. Yes. With with literally within the ninety minutes, he's redeemed. Yeah. 
Yes, exactly. Hey, it's a superhero movie. You have to do that. Exactly. Um, and if you haven't seen Hunt for the Wilder People, a really, really good movie. Uh, a great. That's a, that was his big introduction to the world. So yeah, with uh, Sam Neill. Yeah, highly recommend seeing that. So uh, so great to have him here in the uh, in yeah. the Star Wars animated universe as well. And if you haven't seen Deadpool two, what are you doing? Go watch that. There is a PG thirteen version. There you go. You can watch that too. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. But I think we should move on to the the crux of this episode, blaster point number three. It is searching that facility Mm -hmm. for the intel so that there is finally... Some new hope for the bad batch. Well, exactly, exactly. I like that Deke's the one that, that stands up to, to go and help them out and get them to, to go into the facility. But just interesting that um, Mox and Stax just sit back and go, not a chance are we going to help you. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, we, stop, we stopped investigating that facility because of these slither vines. It's completely overrun in there. We are not going to help you here. We need to get off the planet is their whole motivation here. And I can kind of understand it, you know. They just about survived, and they've survived all on their own. And there's an opportunity here to get off the planet and save and be be alive. Or yeah. you could put yourself in massive danger where you know there's a risk of you dying. Um, so I can kind of see why they would think like that. But uh, but Deke's different. Deke seems to be more of that clone trooper uh, braveness inside of him. Well, it, it's kind of like, um, you know, it, it's on a spectrum, isn't it, here? I think Deke recognises, even though, you know, we've just said for for Blaster Point 2, you know, they don't trust other clones, mm-hmm. they don't trust the Empire. I think part of the fact that they aren't regular clones mm-hmm. is one thing, but it feels like the three, the, these three younger regular clones are kind of on a, on a spectrum in there. I think, you know, Deke ultimately can see that they're being helpful. They're looking for a member of their unit, you mm-hmm. know, so that immediately sort of um, resonates with him. And it kind of resonates less as you move through then to, to Mox. So Mox, who is the leader, mm-hmm. is kind of in two minds, but ultimately has a self-preservation, whereas Stack just no, this is our opportunity yeah. to get off the planet. And in fact, I, I like the fact that we do go back to Mox and Stack um, as the other three go into the belly of this facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you see them discussing about hot wiring the Marauder mm-hmm. and getting off planet and leaving them behind because they're not going to survive that facility. Well, yeah. Which, to be honest, they're not half wrong either. Uh-huh. But... You know, and I like that there's just that little bit of play here with um, that conscience element of of uh, these these younger clones. Yeah. And they're at kind of varying degree. And, I mean, it's almost like Stax just needs orders because as soon as it, it's decided by Mox to help, then he's all in, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but... He, he, you know, he has a different frame of reference ultimately. So I kind of like that. I like yeah, yeah. seeing them sort of break into the Marauder, sort of this amazement and them having that conversation about even leaving their friend mm-hmm. and one of yep. their own behind in Deke and, and ultimately deciding that if they do that, they're, they're no better than the clones that left them to rot here or the Empire. Exactly. So, yeah, it, that was a great little moment here in terms of 
having that other aspect to um uh wrecker hunter and then deke mm-hmm. going into the the facility to this console um and the other part of it that i really liked was just the upside down gonk droids that uh wrecker was carrying <laughs> absolutely we need a pair of shirts i got exactly the one gunky <laughs> yeah and then gunky's <laughs> it was just it's the ultimate disrespect for gunky <laughs> like, at least it? if you're gonna carry him carry him the right way Absolutely. up. But you just see these two legs going. <laughs> I was like, okay, to be fair, Gunk would probably be kicking you in the ass mm-hmm. the whole trip, so that's probably why you're doing it. But, like, yeah, it was disrespectful. It was. It was. How many times has Gunky helped them out over the years? Yeah. Um, <laughs> he is the power source. Exactly. Yes. I, I, I enjoyed this. The... the what they were trying to do, how they're trying to get there was cool. The Slither Vines was an interesting bit for me because I was like, did they essentially just take vines and a Sarlacc and just go, okay, so it's an underground Sarlacc made out of vines because essentially with the beak and the maw and everything. Yeah. And then when you cut off parts of it body, it grows independent. <laughs> and grows a sentient life. I was like, oh, this is just, it's cool mutation. I just want to see that live action. <laughs> because wow, yeah. that's the one where I'm like, you're adding horror level stuff into this Star Wars universe. Well, absolutely. I'm here for it. Yeah. We had it last season with that, uh, with the cloning uh, ship. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm like, you're adding aliens level stuff. You're giving us some of the kind of nods and winks. That's like, it. Vine huggers th- as well. I yeah, mean, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's just, I'm like, I'm here for this. The only issue I have is this is the second episode and we like on the journey. I, on, I honestly thought they were going to so much quicker get to Omega. Like, and I think this is. W- Derek, you said at the beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh no, we may get like it could be episode eight before we get a reunite. Yeah, could be. Yeah, like, and I'm like, oh, that that's a whole other thing that I was expecting because I kept expecting. Oh well, actually, but like when you they land, and it's like, oh, this is the planet. This is great, and when it's not there, I'm like, oh, maybe this is a different one on the same planet. Mm-hmm. Nope. Oh, okay. And then, so getting to, even to the end, I was like, oh, it kind of felt Monster of the Week-ish. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, we, we've we had those in season two, and they're still good. And like, same again, this is still good. It just, when I was trying to, I was trying to reconcile that, but I wanted you to bring the batch back together. And I'm like, oh, you're not giving me that right now. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't it was think the so. Sex, so the second watch for me, actually felt better because I knew it wasn't happening. So I just kind of settled in and goes, ah, this is just a nice middle-of-the-week episode kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I think the purpose of the season is getting the batch back together, right? Um, I, I guess so. I think the first, the first half. 
Potentially, the first yeah. I, I, I don't know. I can't. I can't speculate around around when we're going to get them back oh, together. Can't. It could, it could be the fourth episode. It could be the fifth <laughs> episode. But I, I would definitely, after, certainly after the first episode, I didn't expect them to to walk into Tantus and pick up Omega. I think they were definitely saying in the first episode this is going to be a massively difficult yeah. operation to get there. Certainly, when you're effectively getting a walking Sarlacc pit, or I think yeah. I had in my notes, I called it the Vine Mother, uh, <laughs> you know, or the the Vine Queen. Yeah. And I was like, you know, get your hands off my bad batch, you batch. Uh-huh. You know, I was kind of like, this is really, like, good stuff. Absolutely. I did like it. I mean, I like the fact that it was indestructible with mm-hmm. one thermal detonator, and they had to chuck a whole crate load <laughs> of them <laughs> into its mouth. And it still survived. I think, yeah, okay, it kind of glows hot like a firework yeah. for a while, but its vines were still waving around. Um, it's still alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's the I whole know. point, isn't it? That's that's why you don't see this in live action, because effect- effectively, the Imperials created this in an experiment. It took over their entire planet. They exactly. carpet bombed the planet, and it stayed alive. And they were like, "Well, never touching that again." Let's just <laughs> let's just call that planet restricted, <laughs> restricted zone two. That's the don't go do, back. Do 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 walking backwards in the exactly. Like, just putting aside. Absolutely. Do not touch. When we build do, the Death Star, we will use this as a test planet uh, for <laughs> our uh, massive weapon. But then you, and then you just playing. have flighting vines in space. Yeah, exactly. Um, that eventually re-enters some poor planet's orbit and then takes over. Well, now that um, now that <laughs> Disney also own the rights to uh, to all of the Alien movies as well as the Star Wars movies, that's how you get your crossover, isn't it? Yep, I guess so. <laughs> Aliens versus uh, versus the Imperials. <laughs> Tell me, <laughs> that'd be work. hilarious. <laughs> uh, I actually would see that. Uh, totally. Um, yeah, we saw to two Aliens versus Predators crap movies. We can definitely see an I alien like movie set one. at Star Wars. I like the first one of those. No, you liked the second one and always think it's the first one. The one in Antarctica. <laughs> oh, no, that is the first one. Yeah, I like that I like one. the second one. What? Oh, God. The prison bus one. No, it? that was Predators. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. No, well, the maybe- second one is when is when they make land in uh, mid America and uh, kill loads of teenagers, which is you know it's basically like a horror movie. Yeah, that is like true. A, a Jason kind of Freddy movie. Okay, yeah. well I like them all then. <laughs> well, maybe when you watch them again. But anyway, back to this episode. <laughs> uh, anything else I want to talk about uh, about the end of the episode? Um, only just that you know we that we do get them retrieving some partial data here, mm-hmm. um, but that it's only it's kind of narrowing down the focus so that they're now they have a sector that yeah. they can focus on but still like it's going to take them a long time with it just being the two of them and i i, I do like the camaraderie of even with the three young uh regular clones you've mm-hmm. got wrecker having a good old laugh and a bit of banter mm-hmm. with them and i also kind of quite like how the last two seasons of hunter realizing his paternal nature mm-hmm. with um with Omega, um, has kind of rubbed off and is even like now to these three young regular clones and that, you know, he's just trying to do the best for them in terms of uh, getting them to this island base. You mm-hmm. know, we think we might know some people, wink, wink, that will be able to help you out and you exactly. can basically just take a, a chill pill for a few years, figure out who you want yeah. to be. Because um, once again, they have yeah. the same feeling. They're going, we were born, bred, clones to become troopers. Now we're not troopers. We were left behind by the Empire. What do we do now? 
Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, I really liked that that uh, that moment. But I also liked the the I guess the the attack on the facility or the or the um the, them being saved in the facility. I liked seeing them all work together there. I thought that was really good. Uh, seeing the two boys in in the Marauder saving the uh, the two members of the Bad Batch and and their friend and all working together to play their part to try and get them off the planet. Yeah, I thought was that was cool. a really good really good action scene uh, in the middle of this episode. Uh, brightened it up a lot more for me uh, in the second episode. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good stuff. Any notes uh, from this episode? Uh, the only one for me is that, yeah, you guys said that they're taking the boys to Pabu and I'm kind of wondering if they're kind of collecting allies in Pabu. Well, if yeah. If we'll get this kind of if the final push from the batch at the end is everyone from Pabu plus the like people that we've throughout the seasons they they bring everyone back yeah. for one final hurrah. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get your Wookiee Jedi kids. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get yeah. your uh, the the kid from that dust planet that was friends with Omega who yeah. wants to be a thief. You're gonna get like Rex. You're gonna get all. It's like. Here's everyone that you want to bring in because this is the end. Yes. This is the end, as of right now, of the Filoni animated arena that mm. we are in. Um, because everything else that we are aware of is live action. Yeah. So I do wonder if this is going to be that kind of like, Wah! and Pabu is the just a nice place to center everyone and put them all there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, hope, I'm hoping yeah. to give this a proper ending for the show and show us where the Bad Batch definitively end up um unfortunately i do think that means we're going to lose another couple of members of the bad batch by the end of the season oh we, god yes since we haven't yeah, seen probably. any in the, in live action uh well we've seen one in live action um but we know a few do survive uh, yeah. from from some of the other shows i hope some of them do for yeah. sure yeah. Uh, yeah but with that any final thoughts for myself i enjoyed this i i said second watch was a lot better um, yeah. For me, uh, the first watch, I kind of was, for majority of it was like, okay, when are we getting to Omega? Like, how are we going to get there? Because this is going to start. So once I settled into, oh, you're giving us that kind of adventure of the week, but still tied and it's still really good adventure of the week. But once I got back into that spirit, I was like, okay, this is how we're doing it again. I got this. We're happy. I'm happy with this cadence and style. Um, so yeah, second viewing was a lot better. Excellent, Derek. Yourself? Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode much more than the first episode. As I said, I think the first episode just put me on edge, and I kind of get what you mean, Chris. It was probably because you'd seen what Omega's going through. It's like, guys, just get there and yeah. save her. <laughs> but I suppose because we'd seen her marking on the walls, how long she's been there. You know, it's months and months on ends that on end that she's there. So. I, I guess I kind of expected an episode where it's the batch on one side and we don't see Omega because we had seen the other side of it last episode, maybe. So, um, but I did find this a much more exciting episode, of course, um, than the, than the first episode and really interesting episode. But there is sadness in this episode. John, you mentioned, um, just that, that focus on the, the space that's left behind the unoccupied space from Omega to kind of tie you back into the sadness that these guys are going through having lost yeah, uh, absolutely. Their, their sister or daughter in some case, uh, from, from Hunter's perspective, I suppose. Um, so I, I really like how this is building, uh, building out the show and the central mission for the team. I love the uh, moment at the end when we get that called out when you have uh, I'm sure it was just done for the trailer, but when you have uh, our missions only just begun uh, from from Hunter as he uh, as he gets that that minor piece of information that might lead him to uh, to getting 
Omega. So I uh, really like this episode, a much, much better balanced episode as well. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. How about yourself, John? What's your final thoughts? Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, this episode. Um, I think, uh, you know, actually talking about it, it, it feels even better mm-hmm. than uh, after watching it a couple of times. Um, so I, I would give this uh, four upside down gonkies out of five. I just really enjoyed it. I liked the kind of camaraderie of it. Like, yeah. actually seeing um the bad batch even though it was paired down with just wrecker and hunter remaining but i just like how um you know this kind of brotherly bond that you know we see with other members of the bad batch with rex and so on and how that kind of ultimately extended to these three younger clones mm-hmm. um e- even though they were regs and not defectives um i think wrecker really does add in a lightness yeah. uh, for sure. And so even though it, it still has that moment of melancholy, I mean, even with the catchphrase defective and effective, you know, really good. Um, the fact he is the one to uh, touch the Slithervine, mm-hmm. even though he's been told not to. So, you know, I really kind of enjoyed uh, this episode. Uh, and also just to see the scale of what Hemlock's operation has been doing. I, this is another massive facility mm-hmm. that they've just destroyed. Yeah. Um, and partly down to the fact that some of this exper- experimentation has gone out of control, mm-hmm. out of hand with, um, these slither vines. Um, so yeah. And the, the, the nods back the, to season one and, and, Dare I say, I'm loving this. These nods to the Alien franchise as well. <laughs> so yeah, fair juice. Um, so yeah, I'd give this four upside down gonkies out of five. Fantastic. Let's go to the cantina for a quick drink. Definitely uh, need it. Maybe a sprig of Slithervine in our blue milk <laughs> um, with some gin as well. But yes, fellow quizzers. Fellow Batchers, welcome back to the Cantina Quiz. Uh, We are on to question two from this episode. Here we go. What weapon does Stack excitedly see when him and Mox arrive on the Marauder? Ooh, interesting one. Ooh, interesting one. That's a really quick one. This Uh, is a very nerdy one. It is, it is. He just calls it out. It's a weapon that he calls out. Uh, too many clues, Derek. <laughs> too many clues. It's a big couple of episodes it to remember. Is, so, John, do you want to give the question one more time? Certainly. What weapon does Stack excitedly see when him and Mox arrive on the Marauder? Or attempt to steal the Marauder? Well, uh, yes. Whatever you want to, however you want to call it. <laughs> That's it. That's the second question in our Bad Batch Cantina quiz. Uh, just put that together with the answers for all other questions for the season email us at the end of the season to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and you could be in with a chance of getting your hands on some bad batch goodies yes good stuff uh fellow batches yeah we're just taking a quick break and then we'll be back with bad batch season three episode three shadows of tantis don't touch that fine Your brilliance is a great asset to this empire. If I am appointed the scientific minister, I would strive to bring unleashed glory to all divisions of the Imperial Science Corps. All in due time. Yes, Emperor. 
Welcome back, fellow Batchers. We're back for our discussion of episode three of season three of Bad Batch. Yes, this is the Star Wars Bad Batch podcast. And do you know what? Much like the excellence that is the Empire in a galaxy far, far away, I am pretty sure that this podcast and this discussion is going to be excellent. So much sure that Palpatine would be quite happy with it. I, I, w- I would put it down to that. I would. We are a dark podcast. It's a dark show. He's a dark lord. <laughs> the, it's all good. Yes, we're the official podcast wing of the Empire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like the ISD, but more <laughs> podcastery. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, getting all those messages across the galaxy from uh, from uh, the Empire to the rest of their, uh, what do you call them? Fellow empires, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe fellow imp- uh, subjects, I guess. Fellow mint imperials, <laughs> good stuff. Well, I'm still one of your hosts, Derek. I am, of course, one of your other hosts, fellow batches, John. And rounding out the group because I've already talked. I am Chris, but we are not here to discuss our names. You know them well. It's been doing this for ten years. And if you've only started on the bad batch, well, do you know what? We've got lots of other Star Wars goodies. Marvel goodies, DC goodies, Netflix goodies, and other stuff like Invincible, like The Boys, and even Shogun might be coming soon. But we're here to talk about Star Wars, The Bad Batch. Keep an eye on our feeds for all those other goodies, because it is there. But gentlemen, let's dive straight in to episode three of The Bad Batch, season three. Shadows of Tantis. Derek, do you want to tell us who gave us what with this episode? Absolutely. The director of this episode is Stuart Lee. Uh, this episode was written by Matt Miktovitz, the story editor for the show as well, of course, uh, as we mentioned in the last couple of episodes. So, um, yeah, all back involved for this episode. Good stuff. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis of this episode? Sure. The Emperor arrives at Mount Tantis to get an update on the progress of Dr. Hemlock's experiments. The Doctor shares that he is very close to completing Project Necromancer, and the Emperor commits all resources available to get a viable M-Count receptacle to achieve his contingency plan. Nala Say, meanwhile, tells Amiga she is in danger if anyone analyzes her blood, which she has been destroying each time she has received a sample, and she must escape the facility. But with Nala Say needed for the Emperor's visit at the facility, Dr. Emery Carr has been tasked with analyzing the latest set of clone bloods that includes one of Amiga's samples. With everyone preoccupied, Amiga borrows Nala Say's data pad and uses it to free a reluctant crosshair. They escape onto the main planet through tunnels built into the animal cages of the laboratory, but the alarm has been raised and both are pursued as a high priority. Amiga and Crosshair plan to use comms on a downed Imperial ship to alert Hunter and Wrecker to their whereabouts, but the comms are broken. After being discovered by stormtroopers sent to recapture them, Amiga and Crosshair are saved by Batcher, the lurker hound that Amiga freed from captivity. They take the Imperial ship sent to recover them but are pursued by Imperial fighters. They manage to escape the planet after the fighters are called off when Hemlock realises that Amiga's M-Count is compatible with the Emperor's project. Amiga and Crosser escape the planet Wayland to find the rest of Clone Force 99. 
Excellent. Much more upbeat episode uh, f- <laughs> focusing on the Well, the escape. Time. Yay. Yeah. Yeah, necromancy! Yay! <laughs> exactly! Yay! <laughs> but again, all three episodes were released at the same on the same day, which is good to be able to watch all three of them back to back. Um, you know, rather than having gaps between them. Yeah, I, I do wonder as you as you get to this third episode, I wonder whether you could have interspersed the second episode between the first one and the third one if you were turning it into an event, into an, into a one and a half hour event with all three episodes. Could you have cut in um, the adventure? I guess of uh, of Hunter and uh, Wrecker from episode two amongst the ones focused on Omega and uh, and Crosshair in episode one and three to make it, you know, like you're covering all of the batch rather than uh, having three individual episodes. Or I guess so, yeah. Mm. I mean, I think, you know, it's, that's the interesting thing when it is technically a one and a half hour movie of which if you were doing it as a movie, mm-hmm. you probably would do exactly that. Yeah. And, in the way it was done. So yeah. it, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? The differences to the format mm-hmm. that between movies and TV, exactly. which I know we hark on about a lot, but I yeah. think you really tell that here. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, yes, this was um, a good episode and certainly one that sees, you know, we we have these shoots beginning to bud, I think, on the the uh, leafless tree at the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. But let's discuss those fl- buds that are about to flower in our blaster point. Starting with blast point number one. It's a royal visit. A visit from the emperor. Mm. Yes, finally. Um, a proper connection to uh, Palpatine's mission. Uh, this is spread across pretty much every live action show and obviously all culminates in the last jedi right yeah yeah basically the the choices of jj abrams to bring palpatine back mm-hmm. finally have basically much like a virus spread its way into every way uh, of the the every episode every show you name it and i'm here for it mm-hmm. because this opens some so interesting possibilities. Um, we know where it's going. We know we know the end. Mm-hmm. We know how it, like the parentage goes on and the cloning goes on of all aspects of Project Necromancy. In the end, now it's the fun part of we've seen the beginning with the kind of clones army and Nala say, mm-hmm. and we know the end point. Now it's okay. We're going to get all these, mostly through this show, but through other kind of other bits as well. Mm-hmm. We are now seeing the rest of the picture, the the middle, if you will. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, cause we've seen it in Obi-Wan, we've seen it in The Mandalorian, we've seen it in uh, in pretty much all the live action shows, this plan yeah. building out. And here we're seeing it, of course, in a show around the clones, um, you're going to see the starting of this uh project i guess yeah that will eventually lead to multiple clones of the emperor and weirdly this feel certainly the clones well you know and the bad batch feels like the correct vehicle in which yes. to expose it because mm. it's about cloning technology so i mean that's deep in the lore yeah. of star wars you yeah. know clone wars even before um, you know, the, the three prequels mm-hmm. and episode two, it's there in the DNA of the original Star Wars. So there's a real, yeah. you know, the, there's that link there to that DNA. Uh-huh. And, and yet, yes, you know, it, it, 
it, it's different mm-hmm. um, because it's actually trying to do with the cloning of highly Force-sensitive people in the terms of a Sith Lord, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. here, really. I'm, you know, don't know who the specimens are, whether it's his mother and father um, okay. or, or Ray is down there, you know, uh, as uh, his sister. I don't know. Well, she is his sister, isn't it? His daughter? Ray's his granddaughter. Oh, granddaughter. granddaughter. Yeah, but, exactly. But effectively, the explanation is that potentially one of the clones that were cloned off the Emperor had a daughter, and that's Ray. That's the, that's yeah, the explanation. Yeah, exactly. So not that he had a child because nobody wants to think about Palpatine having sex with anybody. So it's that, that Ray is connected to the clothes potentially is basically where Much like Anakin, it could be an yeah. immaculate conception. Well. But yeah, no, exactly. That's what I thought as well. It's just, you know, it's, it feels the right home though mm-hmm. because it's to do with cloning yeah. ultimately. And you've got good writers and directors and story editors that can, you know, weave in, uh, J.J. Abrams is uh, sort of, you know, out of left field mm. um, stories uh, into a recognizable yeah. long-standing plot throughout the galaxy. Well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, like it, it, it's been pretty clear that they've been trying to weave this in in multiple ways over yeah. the years. You know, that was the whole reason for uh, Grogu in, in uh, Mandalorian. That's why he was being chased was because he could potentially be the missing uh, key to unlocking this ability to, to create a clone that can be the receptacle for the Emperor when he dies. Um in Obi-Wan, we saw that they were already storing multiple Force users to experiment on them to see if they yeah. could provide the missing key. So we have all that. And here, most likely, we're seeing the first potentially Force user or a person with a high M count. Let's call it what it's saying in the show. Uh, Omega could be that key. So that looks like the first key or the first attempt at getting it. So it seems likely that even throughout this series... Um, they're not going to solve the problem, right? So even if it focuses on it throughout the season, they're not going to solve the problem because we're talking about something that eventually leads to uh, the creation of the Emperor's clones in the future. So I'm not sure. So that's the question I had, which is, how do they leave this? Because, correct now, correct my timing here. Mandalorian is set after uh, the events of The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. After Return of the Jedi, yeah. And it is essentially the, the stopgap between The Force Awakens. It's in that area mm-hmm. group. So season three of Mandalorian, where we saw essentially um, Juan Carlos Esposito figuring out Grogu, that's the, the key. So it's still happening. The, the, mm-hmm. the services are still going on. But then essentially we, we get to probably a point where it's all viable that they're just missing that Grogu link, if we want to call it the mm-hmm. end count link. So it starts to get to pretty like it's not going to end in this season. Like it goes all the way past the the, the original trilogy into Mandalorian, yeah. and then some point between the Force Awakens. No, yeah, probably some point between Force Awakens and kind of the Last Jedi, mm. but more likely some point in the actually before the force awakens yeah. because of ray yeah um it all ha- happened so i'm just trying to see maybe it does and maybe it's just because it's not wholly viable 
with Omega's thing. I'm just so... This is the bit that I always get... The, the, the hardest bit for me sometimes mm-hmm. with Star Wars is <laughs> the jumping of timelines yeah, yeah. and the storyline. Like, literally, because they... they, they we are also getting in the future in the future a High Republic film or slash TV show, mm-hmm. uh, which is like all the way back in back in the day. Mm-hmm. There's talk of an old Republic show as well, and then we're obviously getting Andor season two, and then the Acolyte and Skeleton Crew. Yeah, I don't even know where, the Acolyte's way in the past. Yes, it is. Yeah, and then the uh, Skeleton Crew. I think is around the same time as Mandalorian, but I think they've also potentially hinted it might be earlier okay. in the, the, the years as well. So again, you're just like, wait, hold on. Hmm. Cause that's why I'm so, the reason I was so, I want to call it perturbed, but that perturbed is the wrong word. I was like, oh, you're so close. They didn't show what was in the vat. Yes, absolutely. And I'm like, yeah. we know, we yeah. know what's in the vat because it's a clone of the Palpatine. Like we know Project Necromancy, we sorry. Let me let me rephrase that. Mm-hmm. The assumption is that's what that is. That's who they're cloning because Project Necromancy. The assumption is is it is Palpatine. It is Project Necromancy. Necromancy is about the dead Palpatine, and we've also all seen the the end of the the the, the new trilogy. Yeah. That's a fair assumption. It's but certainly if- it's certainly the startings of it. I don't know whether they've been able to clone Palpatine or not, whether it's just yeah. a standard clone, and the clone obviously doesn't have the Force powers, which is what he wants to be able to continue his legacy. That's the, yeah. that's the big leap that they need to make. And it could be that he's trying to create multiple vessels that are all, that all have his Force powers, which is why he needs this high M count in each receptacle. That's why he's trying to gather together all of the dead Jedi, as we saw in, in Obi-Wan. That's try, why he's trying to gather Grogu, one of the last of the Jedi. There's not that many of them left at the time that we get to the end of Return of the Jedi. So that would be another prize. Maybe that's the reason why he's trying to do it. Maybe he can't create multiple receptacles. Yeah. He can only create one out of each Jedi. That could be that could be what's happening, or or out of each person that's got this high M count. Yeah. So I- that's the the link through it they yeah. may create one by the end of the season but it needs multiples because there's still more experimentation yeah i mean it, it still it suggests to me you know the discussion that uh palpatine has with hemlock is that you know this is all still good progress but early days mm-hmm. you know we have palpatine you know promising all the resources to deliver the goal of this project mm-hmm. uh to secure this empire of his um you know and you know he's very keen that the facility is both hidden and secure you know mm-hmm. he says it's imperative that we keep this you know hush hush because you know the work that is being done here by hemlock would be seen as an abomination even by people you know who are their allies high up in the empire so i mean this is like serious necromancy kind of stuff and like interestingly given it's feloni um as exec producer really Mm. on this and thinking of ahsoka with the dead troopers Mm -hmm. uh, and that kind of sorcery night sisters yeah and the night sisters you kind of go you know 
There could be some kind of weave in here to that at Maybe. some point, just because that's in the future. Yeah. Um. But we know. Well, we know there's a team that work on the story to try and connect it all together. Exactly. It's, it's, uh, we we actually Filoni has very little involvement in the Bad Batch. There was that great quote from him last year that was saying that when he sees the things coming in from them, it makes him excited to go back to animation. But this is Jennifer Corbett's story, Matt McDevitt's tying it in with the Star Wars universe, uh, and I'm sure those threads can be picked up by Filoni when he gets to no, season agreed. two of Ahsoka. But I mean, it's interesting because he has an exec producer, mm-hmm. so the, there's some high-level thing here, mm-hmm. you know, all that you know, sharing of ideas. Um, I won't say ideation. Um, that happens. <laughs> and, yes. um, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I think um, it's all, you know, it's, it, it's all kind Marvel. of... Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it, it's really connected. It harks back to... You know the the night sisters and that sorcery and, and necromancy that we are seeing in this world. So, mm-hmm. like it, it's it's not above and beyond the realms of no. this galaxy, exactly. which is what I really like. And of course, just to have uh, Ian McDermott at back voicing the emperor. I mean, it is you know. I would almost say, bar none, the most iconic character of Star Wars mm-hmm. at this stage. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, I granted get, don't, you know, Vader. I know there's Vader, I know there's, um, Luke, but it's just because it's the same character that's played yeah. it and it's the no, voice. I think it's just pure on voice. And, um, you know, it's really, um, so deeply ingrained as, um, as one of the big bad villains of Star Wars, that I can see why Abraham's had a flight of fancy and said, "Ah, sure, we'll bring him back." Absolutely, um, you know, because absolutely. he's that iconic, yeah. along with Vader. Absolutely, yeah. But I think Ian McDermott was just being interviewed quite recently by Empire Magazine about the 25th anniversary of, of Phantom Menace, and he he came out with this great quote that he realizes now, looking back on all the years, that it's the Emperor that's the trigger for everything. Yes, of course. Darth Vader is iconic. Get that. But yeah. without the Emperor, we would, there would be no Vader. <laughs> he pushed him in all the directions that he needed to push him in to accomplish his goals. And he became the final villain at the end of the last, uh, the last trilogy as well. So he started it all. He ended it all. And he's weaved throughout. He is the biggest villain in the galaxy and yeah. had a great, I guess, let's say in lead hands. lieutenant uh, in Darth Vader. So um, so yeah. he is absolutely iconic and great that they're able to get Ian McDermott to voice him for the show as well. Yeah, really, really yeah. good. Uh, great to see a visit from the Emperor uh, over here on Tantus, isn't it? Yeah. Agree. But speaking of Mount Tantus, let's get on to Blast Point 2 and escape with that mount. Yes, yes, yes. Let's get on and discuss... The, the great escape of the one and only Omega, with a little help from Nalase. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually quite like how this all starts off as though it's the day-to-day like we saw in episode one, actually, mm-hmm. of this season. Um, except, you know, um, Omega sees that there's more troops around and we, you know, she's told that there is, um, you know, a special guest arriving. Yeah. Um, and I, so I, I kind of like that feel, um, to it. You know, it's like the day starts off normal as usual, but I, I like as we move into this escape. Um, I think in particular, I just love the fact that, you know, 
Nala say is prompting her to do it when there are so many more troops about and you Mm -hmm. get that from crosshair when omega finally releases him from uh his cell uh, and forces that cell break from him Mm -hmm. and you know he's kind of like i will i you gave me no choice and you know you're winging an escape here uh which you know, we probably shouldn't be doing given that the Emperor's here, What's the entire the station possible, yeah. Yeah. station's on high alert, all the shuttles have been grounded, yeah. and that's what Nala Say said we should do is get escape by shuttle. Yeah. So I love the fact that it's all stacked against them, it's all been winged really. Um and I I kinda like that sort of um almost accidental nature of this escape, and because it is Yes, you can plan, but you have to then take that opportunity. And yeah. in some ways, Omega has planned in the sense she knows that she needs to escape mm-hmm. and she certainly wants to take cross her. Yes. She um, won't be with them. Yeah. You know, it'd, it'd be interesting to know if she would have taken Nala Say, to be honest, mm-hmm. you know, given their relationship. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. No, I yeah. don't. But, you know, yeah. th- there is a. There is something there between them. Given I, th- I think history. if Emery had wanted to go with them and hadn't turned her gun on them, yeah. <laughs> Omega might try. Might have tried to convince her more to come with them because she still feels you know a female clone is is really unusual, right? It's very similar to uh, to Omega. So uh, as she says in that first episode, "You're not alone." It's nice to know there's somebody else in the galaxy just like you, right? So I think Emery might have been the one that she would have taken, whether or not Nala say though. But maybe she tried to save everybody. She did. She did say that she wanted all the clones freed from the facility. But at the very least, she's going to take uh, Crosshair with her. Yeah, and she well, she's had to adapt because it is literally Nala say saying, mm-hmm. you know, if they take your sample and yeah, analyze yeah. it, you're in danger. You need to get out of here. And it's as Nala say is effectively being denied control of that batch of samples for today mm-hmm. because of the Emperor. Uh, arriving. So to your point, he's always been the thread that's kicked off everything. Yeah. In this case, uh, Omega's um, need to get off Mount Tantis sharpish. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. For me, this is pure bad batch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is like, and that's why I laugh and Crosshair goes, you don't even have a plan. And, and Omega goes, I'm kind of ma- winging it and making it up as you go along. Yeah. That's what the batch do. Exactly. They have a plan. The plan goes sideways. They have to complete the plan. Exactly. And we would even probably go back to the argument where Derek and I have, which is technically they don't even complete their jobs. The plans go sideways. Mm-hmm. They never complete their jobs. Technically, they're terrible mercenaries. <laughs> Just looking at the pure numbers here. Uh-huh. And that's what's happened with Omega. She's told to escape on the worst possible day, at the worst yeah. possible time, told to get a ship, can't get a ship. Goes to another ship, doesn't get that ship, doesn't even fly by pure chance, wings it and gets the other ship and then escapes and actually only escapes because the ending, which is oops, Hemlock goes, don't shoot them down. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Everything goes to side. And that's why this for me is pure batch. Without it's it. just, it is what this show is. It's like yeah. skin your teeth, thinking off, cuff your pants. Everything's fun. Absolutely. But I do totally put this on Alice A. Like, oh, yeah. Again, she, she has one day where she's not in control of the blood and goes, oh, God, my plan's going to fall apart because somebody else was going to be in charge of these samples. You need to get out of here, Omega. Little girl, go run away on your own and get out of this 
a massively protective facility. Maybe if you did this a week ago when there was a little less security around, all you needed to do was give her your data pad. Now let's say that's all she needed to get out yep. of the facility. Yeah, yeah. Done it a week ago under much less um, guarded facility. It would have been a lot easier for her to get away, right? I guess um, so. I guess it's the opportunity, <laughs> though, isn't it? Because they're all like you hear it with some of the stormtroopers walking through the facility. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm on a double shift. Hey, so it, it's also it's a blessing and a curse in that they're more focused on the fact that there's this special guest. Maybe they're mm-hmm. not being told. So yeah. gossip's going around. You know, it's almost like they're distracted by the additional work Maybe. and security that they have to do. Um, I'm just saying, you know, yeah. stormtroopers seem easily distracted, don't have a great <laughs> uh, shot. So yeah. it's kind of like whilst the attention is focused on something, you know, they're doing guards of honour. Like how many mm. troops are out there as the shuttle arrives? So they're not at their stations. Yeah. So I think this is necessity rather than yeah. an actual plan, though. Uh, no, exactly. <laughs> it might have worked out in their favour, but I think I think it was exactly. it wouldn't right. have been the choice of Nalase. Take the rock and the smooth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not saying they had the plan. I'm just yeah. saying that it's the opportunity presents itself. I don't think it was an opportunity. I think they just had to do it, or else yeah. that's it for Omega. There's, that's what I mean. there's no choice here. <laughs> just happened to be able to get out. But the opportunity was because of the Emperor yeah. and Nalase effectively having to tell her. Because mm-hmm. yeah, she could have told her on day one. Look, yep. if anyone ever finds your blood sample, mm-hmm. but she didn't. Yep. She said it then. Exactly. Then we do see, when she escapes with crosshairs, we see Omega knock out Emery. Yes. Which, I have a question. Emery is a clone. Mm-hmm. She's a, we assume that we, the assumption is that there is a female, like it's a, some form, altered female form of... Again, making assumptions. Yeah. An altered female form of basically Django. Yes. Yes. And Omega is different because she's maybe not Django, something else. Or maybe no. is Django, but with just different. No, she's she's still tweaks. a clone like, like the Batch the, are. Like like batch she, yeah, yeah. She's, she's their sister. She was born in the same place as they were not just the same facility the same room she's the eldest of them as a group she is a a defective clone i guess um but you would i would guess that would mean that emery was a previous attempt to try and create a female clone okay yeah but potentially as well emery might have a high m count yeah yeah, absolutely. Maybe true. she just hasn't yeah. thought about testing her own blood, <laughs> even yeah. though uh, yeah. uh, you probably shouldn't test your own blood. Maybe you need another doctor to do that. But yeah, maybe she has a high MCAT. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point, though, uh, mm. to be honest. Um, because to me, Emery Carr is still a little bit sort of mysterious, mm. really. Exactly. Yeah. That's you know? what I was trying to. And it's not entirely clear here, you know. So, like, she's looking out for the interests of Amiga, um, yet. You know, she will try and stun her. And yeah. so uh, it's difficult to know, really. You know, she gives her the doll, yet she taketh away the doll or will allow, you know, them to sort of rifle through her uh, bunk area. Mm-hmm. So who, who knows? I mean, I think as well, like for me, this whole escape from Mount Tantis, uh, but with um, Amiga and, uh, and cross her, but also then once get into the the forest, um, which we'll talk about in our our next point. 
I just love the fact that they use Omega's sample almost like a ticking clock mm-hmm. as it goes and cycles through the sampling machine. Yeah. Uh, and at various stages, it's just like it goes. And I think it was only in this episode that I suddenly realized that the sample's not being extracted for analysis. Mm. They're inject. They're, they're putting in some droplets of blood of yep. another blood. So I was like, "Ooh, okay, yeah." And like we see, we don't actually see what's in the pods down in the vault again. Mm-hmm. But we go down there, and you've got markings on the floor, which is much more necromancy feel. So it does feel a bit like a fusion of science and probably night sister Maybe. type stuff. But you know, th- there are those red markings mm-hmm. on the floor uh, in in the vault, and yeah. um, so. All this was really nicely done where it's just having this, this, the ticking clock of Amiga's sample working its way round before, uh, effectively having this external fluid added into mm-hmm. the sample and it being analyzed. So yeah. I, I love that it did give, um, attention to it. Yeah. It's a great idea. Great, a great use of, uh, as you say, the ticking clock, uh, throughout yeah. the episodes. You're going, oh, will they get out? Will they get out before it gets to her sample? Yeah. It was overall fun for me, and that ticking clock. Well, that that the the the, the ticking the clock analogy. Yeah, the analogy exactly. That's sorry, same thing. A good word for that, but exactly what that was. Just racks the tension mm-hmm. all the time, and then that brings us to blaster point number three because they escape and they go for the ship. So this was cool. We've heard about what lies beyond the gates, Mm -hmm. beyond the shields. That's where Crosshair and Omega have to go. And it's fun to see that because you do rack up the tension. They get to the ship. Mm -hmm. The comms don't work. That alerts everyone. Then you've got a ship coming. Then you've got, like, these beasts, which are just, like, scaly gorillas. The lectures or or the big beasts? The big beasts. The big beasts, yeah, the ones we, we haven't got the name for. I suppose the, the tension from that comes from we know we lost three stormtroopers in the yes. first epi- episode, heavily armored, carrying weapons, crash landed, and we know all four of them were killed. So the tension comes, we didn't see the beast in the first episode, but this is what the beast looks like, yeah. and it could possibly take out Omega and or Crosshair <laughs> yeah. uh, until the lurchers yeah. come out. Uh, supposed to be chasing down uh, Omega and Crosshair, but they're the ones that take out this uh, beast lurking in the woods yeah and i thought it was going to be a bigger beast i'm not gonna lie mm-hmm. I yeah i like, know what you mean actually yeah. i was like this thing is gonna be like it's the ultimate you know it's essentially an armored gorilla mm-hmm. with scales <laughs> i was like okay cool i can see why it's angry it's big cool i just after seeing the vines the death vines i was like thought you were gonna give me a bit something more but <laughs> it's all right we have a better quicker story I get it. Let's move on. And it's certainly no Zillow Beast uh, from from no, last season. <laughs> it, uh, but it also maybe it was crossed with some of the genetics of Grand Admiral Thrawn because it had red eyes. <laughs> so yeah, maybe it's hyper intelligent. I, I think it's the native creature to the planet. Uh, okay. It's outside the boundary. So okay. it's a, no, I don't think it's a cloned creature or an experiment. Okay. <laughs> I think and it's you're going to get these like hyper intelligent armored gorilla type things taking over and it's like oh no we've got to move again hemlock just stop 
experimenting exactly. on the local <laughs> fauna and flora. Yep. You know? And that's how you get Planet of the Apes in the galaxy far, far away. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Exactly. Uh, um, but this is fun. This, like, yeah. again, they just, this is the action scenes that you didn't get in the first episode, uh-huh. but you're getting to see Crosshair again. Yeah. Very much a different yeah. style of fighting mm-hmm. uh, than the rest of the batch and a more darker style, if you will. Yeah. He's more calculating, cold. He's always been that way. And it seems that his uh, months of imprisonment have only heightened the difference between him and the rest of the batchers. Yeah. We saw that towards the end of season two as well. Yeah. This is yeah. this is not your season one crosshair. This is not your Clone Wars crosshair. Mm-hmm. This is like theoretically, he should have a grizzly beard by this point. <laughs> crosshair. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I, I think as well, it's just the relationship between Amiga and Crosshair. It's just interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. he's kind of. It's like it's almost like he can't be bothered. But he absolutely is bothered. You know, it's in some respects, it's a front. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for Amiga as well, even like with season two, you know, he's always been important because he was a member of the Bad Batch, Mm -hmm. her team, their team. And so there's, there's real closeness which exudes from Amiga to him. And I think to some degree, you know, there's a little bit of a thought. Yes, he has that hard edge, but I think what's really interesting about this relationship is, you know, what's going to happen when Crosser is reintroduced to the other two remaining members of the yeah, Bad Batch. Absolutely. Because it's a difficult relationship, and yet... Difficulty to murder to them. Yeah. No, but... Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And yet Omega has reformed a relationship mm-hmm. with him. So yeah. she will be quite decisive here i think or influential around how crosshair is dealt with or brought back in or whatever managed you know in that sense so um that's what's really interesting with this relationship is that it is and has grown even in a distant way Mm -hmm. whilst they've both been prisoners at mount tantis yeah you know yeah Um, so and and that's part of omega's character is that she is looking for the good in people all the time and will always find the good in yeah in crosshair as well exactly um but i really i really did like this escape uh this the the arrival of batcher who uh who omega had tamed in the first episode uh coming in to to help save them from uh the the attacking stormtroopers um one of the things I did really like about the movements of the fight as well is how Omega gets herself up onto the ship as the troopers are landing. It's almost like they're coming to the ground to find her and she's already jumping onto their ship to take it. Um, I really liked that she wasn't on doing the ground battle. She left that to Batcher and to, and to Crosshair while she went up and took the ship. I thought that was a really good little uh, choice for her to do. Uh, and then, yeah, they, they are able to get away from the planet. They're able to leave the planet. Um, and bring Batcher with them. Well, yes. that, yeah, but almost by accident. And again, not by accident, but they're effectively almost doomed. They, they're, you know, the fighters mm-hmm. that have been sent from Mount Tantis are locking on. It is the fact that Emery finds the blood sample, mm-hmm. uh, which has, you know, glow, glows a nice yellow, uh, positive <laughs> yellow, uh, to, to say that this. Blood has got the right M count mm. for um, the transfer it's of M yeah. counts and the compatibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so 
I think what I really liked here was just the fact that, you know, the calculation that Hemlock makes in that just let them go, mm-hmm. let them escape because I have all the resources of the Empire mm-hmm. at my disposal in order to track them down and get them back. Get like back we again. cannot, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we cannot lose this now valuable commodity mm-hmm. as he sees it. So he sees it as a commodity. So rather <laughs> than, you know, dropping the vase on the floor, it's like, right, we just, you know, send everyone to catch it. Yeah. Um, and rather than let it smash uh, and and get destroyed. So mm-hmm. I love that calculation that happens here, uh, which allows them ultimately to escape as he has to think of keeping her alive exactly you know yeah. so i really yeah. like that really good and that's where we end that is the end of this opening trilogy of episodes gentlemen any notes that we may have not discussed i this? have two actually mm-hmm. uh, on this two it's, it's more sort of things i noticed so interestingly as we start seeing Omega, right at the start of the episode, Omega going about her day-to-day, mm-hmm. and we see Crosshair coming out of a turbo lift uh, with mm-hmm. a group of other clones. And the camera lingers on a clone or a guard that I don't think I've ever seen because it looks like mm-hmm. he had exposed shins. I know this is a really weird description. <laughs> wearing shorts. Maybe. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, wearing shorts, exactly. It looked like sort of, as I say, at the Andor beach party, you yeah. know, um, and it's kind of like, <laughs> Maybe he's, like he's about short, to be redeployed. Short, yeah. <laughs> but and I, but it's just the fact that it kind of lingered, and there was slightly ominous music mm-hmm. on it. So I was like, "Who's the guard um, yeah. there?" And he goes back into the turbo lift, and it felt really unusual because mm-hmm. it felt significant, and yet it's the first time I've seen that guard. Yeah, there was. If, it, if they weren't significant, there was no other reason to linger on them. So it was just throwing that out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, And the other thing that kind of I noticed more and more recently, and it, again, as whilst I was watching this, that Hemlock is holding a gloved hand. Mm-hmm. It's like he's constant. It's almost, um, it's almost like when Dumbledore has touched the horcrux and mm-hmm. his hand is poisoned or something and I'm like there's something around the experiments that he's doing with this project necromancer mm-hmm. where it's starting to affect him or mm-hmm. he's being contaminated or whatever um and he's having to glove put a glove on his hand to to hide the effects or whatever but he's also holding it and i just thought that was kind of interesting, interesting as well yeah nice catch i wonder what that might mean in the future or the season here yeah. It's definitely something. Yes. Yeah. That, that is something I, I noticed when watching and completely forgot to put my notes. Mm-hmm. Good catch. Derek, Very anything good. from yourself? Uh, just the only thing, just because we were talking about Emery being a potential other clone, we know, well, we know she is, that she's a female clone. There's quite a few other female members of the, of the team that are working there, the scientists that are working there that we see in the background quite a lot. It's not just Emery, right? So are they, I presume they're all clones that are working on this project because they all look quite similar. It's hard to tell with animation unless it's specifically being pointed out to you, but they all look quite similar. So I was just wondering if there are other, if they're all cloned to do this job effectively. Maybe. Yeah. Mm. 
Maybe. Emery is the only f- second female one that we've been made officially mm-hmm. called out. Yeah. So, and again, there are the stormtroopers and just kind of troopers there. Not all of them are clones. So I would assume maybe there are just some crazy scientists. Potentially. Yeah. 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 They just look quite yeah. similar, but again, that could yeah. be just yeah, the design of the show. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, just wanted to, wanted to mention that. But that's it. Great stuff. Well, then I have to go and turn to Derek. What did you think of this episode as a whole? Oh, great ending to uh, the trilogy of episodes. Really enjoyed this, like the like the hopeful ending as uh, as they escape. While I know, of course, yes, they're still being uh, searched for by uh, Doctor Hemlock. Um, it's much more hopeful that they're getting off the planet and getting away yeah. from there. It seemed in that first episode when we had just Echo and Crosshair there that it was going to take a massive um, strike to break them out of Tantus. So the fact that they got out on their own and now are going off to search for the match in their own way. Um, is really interesting. I wonder, does it mean, though, that Hunter and Wrecker are going to arrive on Tantus and get uh, captured well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> by themselves? So just swap places with Echo and uh, and Crosshair. That or they're sweeping that sector and get picked up by, yeah. you know, the scans of the Empire. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Let's hope not. Let's hope uh, they catch up with each other uh, in the next episode. But yeah, really enjoyed this, like the like the movements of it, and loved seeing McDermott back as, uh, as the Emperor as well. Very cool, very cool. Great stuff. Johnners, what's your final thoughts on this episode? Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Um, I give it four and a half dodgy experiments out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think just having the escape was really good. Uh, I think to your point, is it a question of, oh, they've just missed one another or is, is something else going to transpire? Lots of intrigue as well for me in this. Um, as I mentioned in the notes, um, you know, two elements here, but also just the, the further sort of um, explanations or clarifications from what we were talking about from episode two around this project necromancer mm-hmm. um, and the fact that it is Palpatine's contingency plan, uh, no matter how much he sort of wraps it up as being for the good of the empire. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the way he calls it this empire. You know, it's very specific. The, the word has meaning, which almost suggests this empire is my empire. Exactly. You know, it's yep. not about an empire yeah. or, and so on. So. I really like that. Love the escape. Uh, love the different facets of it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, uh, overall for me, this is really, really good. I'm looking forward to, to the next episode. Um, you know, is it going to be them reuniting mm-hmm. with the two remaining members of the Bad Batch or now are we on a long sort of, uh, pursuit, uh, throughout some of, uh, you know, the next couple, uh, of episodes mm-hmm. um so yeah for me four and a half dodgy experiments out of five chris uh how about yourself uh not much for me outside of what you guys have already talked about this was a fun one for me and i enjoyed how we got how we've ended this trilogy of for opening the opening salvo if you will mm-hmm. of this it started quite dark it kind of didn't get much lighter <laughs> in terms of the, the second episode uh-huh. and it's still the tone is what i would kind of classify as 10 20 percent darker than season two yeah, yeah. which ended quite dark with a good mm. teaspoon so, of necromancy yeah oh, yeah exactly it's just like <laughs> so what else do you want in that um show so again i'm interested to see where it goes 
I think we'll still get every now and again the odd kind of episode of the week adventure. But as long as they keep moving yeah. forward, ever moving forward with this storyline, mm-hmm. I'm going to be so happy. Um, so, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Excellent. Just while you were talking there, just put two and two together. John, you were talking about Dr. Hemlock and his and his hand yeah. and the glove. And the other character in the show that's having problems with his hand is Crosshair. Is there some... Yeah, is there something about the experiments well, that are affecting true. Crosshair and yeah. Hemlock? Hmm. Is Hemlock a clone? Maybe. Except because it could be like a de- degradation type yeah. thing of clones. Or, it, or yeah, it could be. It could be the degradation from the experimentation that he's doing. Yeah, um, if he's a clone, he got out before they all learnt uh, how to speak in a New Zealand accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I no idea that happened. Hemlock comes in with a Scottish, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, but Jesus! I genuinely thought that was your uh, New Zealand accent. I for know. A second, Chris, I was thinking, oh my goodness, that's the worst New Zealand accent <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> anyway, that was your Scottish. That's not a bad Scottish accent. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's better than New Zealand accent. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, do you know what will really make this episode so much better? Let's head on over to a cantina. Yes, that is exactly right, Chris. Fellow batches, fellow quizzers, let's head on over to the cantina quiz uh, for this episode's question. Question three. What plan do Crosshair and Amiga enact to take the shuttle as they escape the planet Wayland? Excellent. That's the third question. Uh, yes. All the questions so far are available over on our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. There'll be a little pub quiz button up uh, probably a, a day or so after this episode comes out, and you'll be able to get all three questions if you've missed them on the podcast here. But, John, do you want to give that question one more time? Sure. What plan do Crosshair and Amiga enact to take the shuttle as they escape the planet Wayland? Fantastic. Third question. Get all your answers together. Email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com at the end of the season, and you could be in with the chance of getting some Bad Batch goodies. Excellent. Yes. That brings us to the end of our episode one, two, three discussion. But you know what that means. It's the end of the, the, end of the episode, not the end of the show, because we will be back next week for our discussion of the Bad Batch Season 3, Episode 4, A Different Approach. And we'll be back in your ear holes on February 29th. But until then, it's a goodbye for me. And it's also not the end of our three-episode Wednesdays uh, on the podcast because it won't be the Bad Batch next week. We'll have our first two episodes of the epic Shogun, also available on Hulu or Disney+. Plus. Uh, Very different show. Maybe not the same audience. But hey, we like the Bad Batch. We like Shogun. So uh, you might like it. Make sure to check it out on our main feed on tvpodcastindustries.com. Indeed. And if you have a bit of an adult flavour, don't forget, next month, Invincible returns. It does. Prime. So get used to it. You're going to be hearing a lot more from us. If you really, really like everything we do, great stuff. Don't forget to watch, listen, download, rate, review, and all that fun stuff. But until then... We will speak to you again soon. Absolutely. Speak to you next week. Yes. Thank you so much, fellow Batchers, for joining us, as always. Until next week, keep watching, keep listening, and, of course, keep being bad, but not as bad as necromancy. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. Bye.